0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome! It's another edition of Revolutionary. Who do the audience? Who listen
2: to me? Come back home to Africa. Come back home. Come back home to Africa. Come back home. Da 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 da. the da da Da-da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da.
3: Da-da-da-da. da da da
1: Eshu Elegwana were Iwu onlo uton e Iwo, Ada Afanbo Osi, Obatalami Itan e Ibo ne Ilo Iwani Eshu. Eshu is the respected elder who flogs, confronts, and uncovers fools. That one versed in mysteries uses truth to own you. He calls it scattered to be poverty. O oh, shake's rascals to have sacrifice. The owner of warnings is the one who is Eshu, Abuhu, Abuye, Aboshishay, Ashe. May our ever reach a room. May our ever be accepted. May our ever allow what we desire to come to pass. And so we say, Ashe. Divine, all-blessed greetings and salutations. I'm excited to be sitting here again with you now, live, virtually, verbally, cosmically, quantum universally from this working temple of the House of the Divine Prince. Pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor, Elagoon Oloye Hudu Obeya Bokor. Sharing with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a Pan-African hoodoo, world spiritualist perspective. Understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veils, for it is all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. This is my constant prayer, my mantra, my affirmation, reverberation, reiteration, and it is my ever-living reality. It is crucial to the very foundation of my inner standing, my being, my walk, my work, my demonstration along this divine, all-blessed, life path and journey. It is indeed how I, the divine prince, makes sense out of all that we're challenged with here in our daily existence on Mother, Father, Earth. And it is the personal place of power and understanding, my personal place from where I begin, realize, crystallize, understanding that all my endeavors absolutely work in my favor. That's why I say all is indeed a blessing. <laughs> And indeed, it is where I move forward my destiny, my purpose, my reason for being. And so I'm grateful, always humbled, always honored, always appreciative this Wednesday, June 30th, 2021. And I'm grateful for another opportunity to be present here with not just you uh, and my audience, but indeed my family. Um, I'm a little froze just a little bit today because I attended a funeral virtually uh, by way of uh, YouTube before I came on onto the show. Um, so I can't move forward. In any show, I can't move forward without acknowledging the ancestors. And indeed, Woolford Ford, Hamilton, you are now among the ancestors. Um Tessie Hamilton, my god sister, she and I grew up together. I grew up on one side of the street. A family grew up on the other side of the street. Um, My family name was Harris. The family who lived directly next door to them, last name was Harris. There were all these synchronicities that I began to observe and notice early on, even as a child. And this is a a great segue back into our conversation about soulmate families so many clans, so many partnerships, so many relationships. So, indeed, when my father, who was present but absent, her father was the symbol for me at that time of what a father looked like, of what a father should should be, what a household looked like. Um, so, um, I'm in my feelings just a little bit, but I'm going to be okay Um, Of course, I couldn't travel, you know, to be a part of the ceremony, but they had it broadcast live on YouTube. So I was able to not only sort of be present uh, uh, virtually and and text my god sisters at the same time in the middle of the ceremony, but also uh, be able to save it um, for future reference. And we often talk about this technology that's now available to us today that we couldn't even imagine or even think about uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. That not only connects us all, you know, makes the world smaller, connects us all, you know, as a as a universal family, as a ethnic family, as a uh, uh, an indigenous family, as a grassroots family, as a political family all the ways that we intersect in this virtual highway Uh, but it also allows us to document and record all of my callers have heard me say that document and record whatever you do document and record you don't always catch everything in the moment but you can always go back and do your recording listen to your recording i can now go back and observe this uh this ceremony again when I'm not so pressed for time and, and really allow some things to settle in. Um, it, it connected me back to my roots. It connected me back to, indeed, um, my own childhood and where I come from and who I be and how I got to be and all that kind of good, juicy stuff that we like to talk about here in this, in this space. And so, indeed, in a conversation of family, we have come to accept have always understood that we have our biological family our, our lineage-based family but we also have our uh, communal built family our chosen family in some cases we meet people along the the pathways and journey ways of our lives that become an intricate part of our family we initiate some of us into traditions and practices where you now have a God family, God parents and brothers and sisters. We have sororities and, and fraternities that in some ways operate like a family and, and build a sisterhood or a brotherhood around a, a, a singular, well, I should say a unified understanding um, of, of certain principles, of certain shared from, um, indeed, experiences. And so the idea of soulmates just somehow being limited to just love and mushy stuff or relationships, you know, or, or even just parentage, you know, understanding um, as parents and godparents and mentors and elders that we have relationships that transcend just mother-son, mother-daughter, father-son, Father-daughter, particularly when we're operating in spirit, when when all parties or both parties involved are operating in in spiritual truth, we indeed transcend those roles. And sometimes you stand back and you see your mother, your grandmother in your children. You see your your mates, ancestors, and family members stand up. You know, in your children and in each other. So the idea of soulmates somehow being um, attached to Cupid and Valentine's Day and boxes of chocolate and, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, it's just so far removed from indeed understanding what soul is and what soul attachments are and understanding what the role our soul is indeed here to play. The ancient Egyptians and thank you for those of you who enjoyed the um, previous videos before the show. I certainly appreciate that. All is a blessing, beloved um, cousin. All is a blessing. Um, Thank you for appreciating the videos. Um, I know sometimes they seem random, but there's always sort of a a purpose to to what I show, and I show three very different, distinct, but still somehow unified videos. Um, So thank you for those who who appreciate those. But I talked about everything from, um, of course, the ancient world. We first talked about, world well, talked about in, in terms of the videos that I shared, um, a Mayan footprint in Georgia, a now documented archaeological Mayan footprint in Georgia, the state of Georgia, southern United States, Georgia, uh, and how that somehow now intersects with our idea as uh, children of the diaspora, descendants of the Middle Passage, about lineage, bloodline, particularly indigenous lineage and bloodline. and how DNA, how I have suggested that DNA would ultimately not only bring new questions, but present answers to some, certain unknowns or certain mysteries that we have now had to accept about our connection to ancestry here um, in America and how that would over time be clarified as we not only gain greater access to copies of uh, DNA through human living um, people, but also by way of science. And I can imagine politically um, science is going to play an important role. Um, if I were a Native American still existing, um, living on a, uh, a compound, if you will, for lack of better words, I wouldn't want to spit in no man's tube either. I wouldn't want to get a white right man to spit <laughs> or the other word that rhymed with it or anything else, you know, if I had seen my whole culture and and, and bloodline and people and, and history sort of now confined, you know, to, to, to a proverbial concentration camp you know, in the middle of your nation, um, you know. So, and no casinos are no, in no way any more payoff than how some of us view reparations would be, you know, for us. But indeed, this video demonstrated, um, indeed, a strong archeological, artistic, creative, um, in some ways, uh, Certain symbols of God, certain symbols in their relationship to the God, certain symbols in their relationship to nature um, come directly from Mayan-inspired root culture. And so when I look at my DNA, and I want to talk a little bit more about DNA too today, uh, if you will have me, as it also um, plays an important role in... In the conversation of soulmates, soulmate families, um, you always think you have this just so perfectly set up until it's that until it's time for you to go on air and actually show and prove. So I wanted to uh, share again, that Native American perspective specifically, that indigenous American, because that is an area of great uh, controversy still in our community. And, and and some would use it for a reason to discount DNA tests altogether um, or to feed a, a sense of a, a conspiracy of some sort that the DNA is either being corrupted um, or just not shared. So I want to share from my own report, if I, wrong page. This is not as easy as it looks because when I'm when you're trying to transfer it, all the tabs look the same. <clears throat> What I'm trying to show you is specific to – here we go. Here we go. All right. So this orange space here – Oh well, first, let me say for those of you who who didn't um, experience the previous show, they have divided – this is the Ancestry.com test. For those of you who are new to DNA tests and and new to the show, of course, this is Ancestry.com test that we are uh, looking at. So once upon a time, all of this from as far as you could go in in North America to the tip was considered um, indigenous American, if you will. And over time, it has changed even the wording has changed, even how they have have it laid out on the site has changed in time as they gain access to greater copies of DNA to represent these portions um, of, of humanity. Um, and, 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 and as I suggested, a great deal of that, I'm sure is being gathered by way of archaeological DNA. And now they have this separated as, this orange area being Indigenous America's Mexico, and then they have Indigenous America's Eastern, which is this yellow area down here, which would represent uh, primarily Brazil and and close-ranging areas. And then they would have Indigenous America that would be this shaded area here, which would show up, I believe, as Indigenous Western south American, so i'm being suggested to have indigenous american blood primarily from what we consider the mexico region which is the orange blob and the brazilian region which is the the yellow blob and so the video that i showed prior to the broadcast suggested a link between the Mayan, in here, and then Georgia, over here, in the Americas. And I found it to be quite credible uh, when we consider ethnocultural tradition. Um, you might find Yoruba being practiced in Cuba, in Puerto Rico, in Louisiana, in Chicago. Uh, but And it may mirror a, a Yoruba footprint, but... Ultimately, archaeologically, it's going to represent the culture from where it's found, from where it's authentically uh, rooted in because of the food, how we might live, how we might have access to certain resources in the making of clay, pottery, other tools, you know, implements, the like. So I find it to be an intriguing update of the idea of, of Mayan having a link to uh, southern regions of of America, and I also wanted to share um, a little bit more intimately from both my mother's side of the family and my father's side of the family using Twenty Three and Me. Uh, give me a moment, just a moment, if you will, to uh, to set that up. And I wanted to talk about that again in in, in the conversation of soulmates, soul families, soul groups, um, coming with a predetermined, uh, pre-life, pre-living life, life, but predetermined yet predetermined uh, purpose. uh, Again, using my own connections to my uh, co-host as a great example. And so I wanted to share my 23andMe For those of you who are um, unfamiliar, again, with the various DNA sites, what I'm pulling up for you now is 23andMe, Uh, but I need to get the right page pulled up. Give me a second. I want to start with... um, my paternal lineage, because that is the side in which um, Otan and myself are related, as well as um, Oloye. Okay, what am I not doing here? It is so hard to do a show Otan to look for something and then talk and stay on point at the same time. So if you want to give some greetings, some salutations or something, beloved, give me a second to... Uh... Not a problem.
0: They were a venue by the alumni. Uh, and family listening, watching and joining us today, it is indeed a blessing to be here with you again, uh, on this part two for our, uh, for mates and family, I want to give greeting and honor to my little friend papa at the Bahia and at the of the of the um, I'm looking forward to the continuation of this uh, while you're setting up the 23andMe. I wish I could tell you offhand exactly where that section is, because I, I don't know by memory. It looks like
1: you may have found it. Yeah. Um, I don't know how visible it, it is to, the, uh, to you all out there, um, because, of course, our view is a little bit different than yours is. But I, I'm going to read it, so... Um, Bear with me, okay? So I am descended from, I'm going to read it, you know, third person. You descend from a long line of men that can be traced back to Eastern Africa over 275,000 years ago. These are the men of your paternal line, and your paternal hollow group sheds light on their story. Now, for my initiates, my godchildren, those who are doing Ancestral work and in, in divination with me, you, you hear us talk about paternal lineage and maternal lineage all the time. We talk about the, the side of your shrine is for great mothers, the side of your shrine is for your great fathers, and, and indeed on both sides of your family. Your, your parents both have a mother and a father, so we say great mothers, great fathers, paternal mothers, uh, paternal fathers, I'm sorry, paternal mothers. Um, and paternal—I'm and sorry—paternal sorry, paternal lineage and maternal lineage, and that is how we construct and communicate and sort of uh, focus energy by way of our shrine. Understanding that that then divides, multiplies with each generation of new sets of grandparents, four sets of grandparents, or four grandparents, and then the subsequent uh, generations that that follow. My paternal haplogroup is EP252. Now as a, a hollow group, it's a huge group. As our ancestors venture out of Eastern Africa, they branched off in diverse groups that crossed and recrossed the globe over tens of thousands of years. Some of their migrations can be traced through haplogroups, family of lineages that descend from a common ancestor your paternal hollow group can reveal the past followed by the men of your paternal line. So hollow group a, the stories of all the paternal lines can be traced back over 275,000 years ago to just one man, the common ancestor of hollow group a current evidence suggests that he was one of thousands of men who lived in Eastern Africa at the time. However, while his male-line descendants passed down their Y chromosomes, generation after generation, the lineages from the other men died out. Over time, his lineage alone gave rise to all other hologroups that exist now present today. Origin and migrations of hollow group EM180. Your paternal line stems, my paternal line stems from EM 180, branch of E, which denotes south of the Sahara. The Hola group originated about 17,000 years ago in the pockets of Western Africa that were ha- ha- habitable at that time when much of the continent was extremely dry due to ice age climate conditions. Over 10,000 years later, men bearing hollow EM180 migrated throughout sub-Saharan Africa, spurred by the development of agriculture and iron working in the region. EM180 is almost, is most common today among speakers of Bantu languages and those related to them. It reaches levels of up to 90% among the Mandinka, and Yoruba of West Africa where the migrations began. Farther from their origin, EM one hundred eighty reaches frequencies of fifty percent or higher in the Hutu, Sukuma, Herero, and the House or the Tausa Tausa, you're supposed to say that with a click, the Tausa people, the lineage is also the most common Holo group among African-American male individuals. About 60% of African-American men, 60% of African-American men fall into this hollow group primarily due to the Atlantic slave trade, which uh, which drew individuals from Western Africa, Mozambique where EM 180 accounts for the majority of men. My paternal haplogroup my paternal haplogroup E P252 E hyphen P252 traces back to a man who lived approximately 12,000 years ago. That's nearly 480 generations ago. What happened between then and now? As researchers and citizen scientists discover more about our HALA groups. New details may be added to the story of our paternal line. Now, E-P252 is relatively common among 23andMe customers. Now, I don't know if that means that it's more Black people using 23andMe. Um, I'm not exactly sure what that means, um, but hyphen P P252 is, is relatively common among 23andMe customers, and today I share this hollow group with all the men who are paternal line descendants of the common ancestor E-P252, including many of you that are, are now listening and many others who are yet to take your uh, 23andMe test. Uh, we share an ancient parental lineage with Pharaoh Ramses the Third, and that's a u- unique and interesting story, uh, considering sort of our comedic romance, if you will, the love and interest and admiration um, that we have had for particularly Egyptian culture and, and more specifically, pharaonic Egyptian culture, um, in, in in more modern times, from let's say the 1970s. Now, uh, we've gained more knowledge about Mero and the Nubia, Nubians, um, Ethiopia, um, many other ethnic-based territories that, you know, were reduced just to Africa, Middle East, uh, black, brown, and tan back in my day, back when I was growing up in in public schools of the 1970s uh, and even into the 1980s. So my parental bloodline, of which Otan shares with me, uh, Ooye shares with me as well, uh, Pharaoh Ramses III defended Egypt in three consecutive wars during his approximately 30-year reign, but provoked dissent within his administration. Catalyzed by mounting internal strife, one of Ramses' lesser wives, hatched a plot to have her son pent to sur- the throne by having Ramses III murdered along with his appointed heir. A papyrus record of the resorting trial explains that the plot failed and that all involved were tried and convicted. However, a modern CT scan of Ramses III's mummy revealed a deep slit in his throat, reopening a, a case long thought closed. The embalmers went to great lengths to cover up the wound, including fashioning a fake toe out of resin where Ramsey's real one had been hacked off, likely during a, a, a fatal attack. For thousands of years, Ramsey's barrel ad- adornments concealed the wounds that mark one of the most favorite royal dramas in history. Ramses Third's paternal lineage belongs to Hallow Group v 38 from which one, I'm sorry, from which my line also stems. Myself and Ramses III share an ancient paternal line ancestor who probably lived in North Africa or western asia and so that you know listen i'm always one to admit when i'm wrong and people remember back in the day you know i I really kind of rode the comedic community uh uh beloved egyptian loving brothers and sisters indeed i love egypt too have some egyptian stuff in my house you know um embraced egypt long before i found out that you know i had actual dna linkage uh, to the continent but we were talking in previous shows about um you know trauma being passed down through your bloodline and, and you not necessarily happen to have been there to experience the event to still in, in, inherit to still receive you know sort of that bloodline trauma so when I read stories like that directly from our lineage background, uh, and let's keep mindful now, the Ramses family um, um, owned slaves, owned slaves, and so us beloved Nubians and chocolate brothers and sisters, you know, if we were not royals, there's a great possibility that we could have been enslaved. Uh, Ramsey's uh, the third was said to have had hundreds of wives, uh, subsequently having hundreds of children. And, and that thus explains why there's so many African-Americans in particular that carry that color group, that carry that, that gene by the sheer number of, um, of children uh, that, that were had um, in this family. Um, and if you wanna give me just a moment, old time, um I'm I'm gonna go through my maternal bloodline as well. For those who are, say that again. I
2: said you're absolutely fine. Go
1: ahead, I'm enjoying
0: this. Okay,
1: thank you. I appreciate it. Um chat, forgive me, I know I'm not on the chat, but I'm I'm gonna check in with y'all. Just give me a second. Just let me lay down this whole DNA thing. Now Y'all can see that maternal hollow group? Yeah, okay. This is maternal hollow group, my mother side of the family. For my mother's great mothers, that which is passed down through, through the mothers that came before me. Uh, I descend from a long line of women that can be traced back to Eastern Africa over 150,000 years ago. These are the women of my maternal line, and my maternal hollow group sheds light on their story. As ancestors ventured out of Eastern Africa, they branched off in diverse groups that crossed and recrossed the globe over tens of thousands of years, and some of their migrations can be traced through hollow groups. If every person living today could trace his or her maternal line back over thousands of generations, all of our lines would meet at a single woman who lived in Eastern Africa between 150,000 and 200,000 years ago. Though she was one of perhaps thousands of women alive at the time, only the diverse branches of her hollow group have survived to today. The story of our maternal line begins with her. And that's why I say the black woman is God, the black woman is God, the black woman is God. Science backs that. It's not just black power. It's not just black consciousness. It's not just hoodoo, voodoo, comedic magic. It's science. And if, indeed, humanity was birthed out of the great mother, the great mother would be she. Power group L4b is one of two major branches of L4 that remain widespread in northeastern Africa today. L4b traces back to a woman who, who lived on the who lived early on in the history of L4. She lived early on in the history of L4, nearly 77,000 years ago. Her descendants are most common in Ethiopia and Tanzania, especially among the Habsna and the Sandawi. Despite the age of the Hawa group, however, women belonging to L4B appear to have joined those groups only within the last 5,000 years or so. Members of L4B can also be found north all the way to Egypt and west into Central African rainforest. My maternal hallow group, L4B2B, traces back to a woman who lived less than 47,000 years ago. That's nearly 1,880 generations ago. What happened between then and now? Well, as researchers and citizen scientists, and citizen scientists mean us, who spent time looking at the numbers Doing the work, pulling up documentation, doing research. As we continue to discover more information, and of course, more DNA is added to the to to the pool of reference, we we gain evolutions in your test. So, if you have a DNA that you've already done and you're not checking in on your test every month, especially here recently, you've missed a great deal of upgrades um, to your response from your initial um, saliva sample. L4B2B is rare among 23andMe customers, rare. And and by comparison, my 23andMe list of relatives is very different than my Ancestry.com descendants. And, And both tests, both my mother and myself have taken both tests. Both Wapani and my mother and myself have taken, um, I don't know if Wapani has taken 23andMe, but me and my mother have have taken 23andMe, and all three of us have taken Ancestry.com. And so L4B2B is rare among 23andMe customers. And so the list of responses that we're getting are uh, very unfamiliar to uh, me and my mother. Uh, so far, we really haven't come across anybody except for one shared relative, living relative, who shares a name of someone who we knew as a friend of the family back in back in childhood. So it's it's really interesting. Today, I share Holagru with all the maternal line descendants of the common ancestor L4B2B including other 23andMe um, consumers, I should say. And uh, there's not much more information available um, on that, for my maternal lineage. You know, no great warriors and and warrior queens or any of that information. as far as I can tell, um, has been revealed on on that side of the family. So I find, um, you know, ideas of race and politics and religion, you know, to not only just be something that, you know, transcends blood and time and space, you know, in more modern um, concepts, particularly when we think about PTSD, post-traumatic slave disorder, you know, et cetera. Uh, white supremacy and, and the imprint that, that type of living environment imprints on your DNA, but indeed that which goes back to the Bible and and, and probably predates the Bible in terms of race, religion, sex, marriage—you know—much of the same dramas that we you know discuss and fight over and 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 share for you know today. So. When we think about what transcends blood, what transcends lineage, what do we continue to pass down, you know, biologically, but also spiritually, you know, when we create um, new lines of lineage by way of of lifestyle and living environment and and coming together, um, how that impacts those who, who come after us with the knowledge that we have available to us today in in 2021, you know, we we over-personalize things, you know, in my opinion, in the West and in modern society. You know, it's it's about us and our experience, you know, maybe our parents, our grandparents. Uh, As a group, we over-personalize it in terms of adults, Uh, and so we tend to see the world in black and white. Um, in very USA sort of black and white terms without understanding how black and white shows up in Australia and Asia and and China and other parts of the world. I also wanted to look at the DNA uh, to, again, reinforce the the idea that, you know, we're everywhere and and we always have been. And there are so many other um, people who stand up in our ancestry, other than just those that we tend to focus on, you know, again, associated directly with, with slavery. Those that came so many more generations before them that still have their, their being and their very presence um, in our lives and in the, in their very footprints in many ways, still to be uncovered and, and discovered throughout the world you know, in, in archeological pursuits. So we all manifest things in us that are not always recognizable as something that we learned from mom and them or from your other siblings or even those that you grow up with, uh, tie legacy together with, you know, at the crossroads of life, people that we meet, you know, in our younger years, you know, some of which who maintain presence in our lives throughout our lives, you know, that leave a footprint, you know, on on our memories, on our hearts, on our emotions, on, on our feelings. So even through YouTube, you know, just being in in the room virtually, you know, at, at the funeral was very emotional um, for me, and seeing you know my godmother so and her family, and and people that we grew up with you know, on Nova Avenue, you know, in the DMV, you know, it was a very emotional, you know, moment. Um, Her mother uh, unfortunately passed away, I want to say, oh, my goodness, 20 years ago, you know, and that had an emotional impact, you know, um, on on me and on my life, you know. And then there's that idea of not being present. You know, in, in this new world where we've moved out and moved away and moved afar, and, and some of us can't even get back and forth, you know, easily to family members and relatives who live, you know, at vast distances. And so I strongly support, you know, the cathartic yet powerful influence of Ancestral Shrine, Ancestral Altar, Ancestral Work in keeping us connected you know, to our friends and our family in the spirit realm, even when we cannot always do so physically, and allow ourselves to have you know those moments of contemplation, of of remembrance, you know, of of, of allowing what we can recall to to be brought back to the forefront of our of our consciousness, and being open to it and nonjudgmental to it, because this allows us to see things and to receive things that we may not didn't see or receive before or in the moment from those experiences, uh, and particularly where trauma is involved. You know, the people who, who, who experience dramatic events of trauma, uh, particularly violence and accidents, you know, say they life flashed before their eyes. You know, you only have a few seconds to think about whatever it is that you're thinking about, to, to see only what's in front of your face. And you don't always necessarily remember, you know, details within the outer range of that experience until later, you know, or or until you're under anesthesia or or until you've gone through, you know, some degree of uh, healing. And so from a spiritual perspective, we indeed can pull back those veils within a degree of our own comfort level, pull back those veils of inner standing. Um, and receive powerful um, instruction, wisdom, love, healing, you know, from, from our family and our loved ones, and, and then send that to them, you know, by way of, of the spirit realm. And a tool that I, I favor for working with uh, family, bloodline, lineages, groups, even in some cases, um, is quartz crystal clusters always the, the clearest as you can possibly obtain, um, uncut, unpolished. And of course, in a cluster, you know, you can't polish or cut cutter. I mean, you might be able to cut it into sections or break it off into sections, uh, but you certainly can't polish a cluster. Um, it's, it's probably one of the hardest things for science to sort of fake um, like nature. Indeed, you can make crystal, you know, laboratory crystals, you know, that form, you know, but they don't quite form like, like the natural. Is that something that you get locally, divine, or do you order those? Both, and or, and all of the above. <laughs> okay. So, okay. so in the course of my life, um, I've lived many places. Um, I've I've always liked to shop. Um, I've always liked to look, I've always been curious, you know, so the African um, festivals, the uh, crystal art shows, the crystal festivals, the um, wholeness festivals, um, sometimes yard sales, garage sales, uh, thrift shops, I found some um, interesting and and extremely valuable pieces. for,
0: for very long. Oh, yeah, I have no knowledge of
2: that. And
0: I want to get familiar with it as far as the crystals. But I'm not, I know there's a store here locally, but the way that they sell it is so commercialized. And I'm pretty sure that none of them are, are you know, real or, or nice pieces of cuts.
1: So that, those are the only, that's the only location I know. I so I was I don't
0: know,
1: because you live in Virginia. So, you you know, the Allegheny Mountains and the Smoky Mountains, and, you know, remember now I'm from that region. So we, we you know, it's it's whole caves in that region, if you didn't already know. If, if you don't bother to venture up into the mountains, you might not really know these things. <laughs> but it's whole caves, you know, up in that region. So I'm sure that near you there would have to be you know, rock shops. And don't always look or target the quote-unquote spiritual shops either. That can be a mistake because often the price price is going to be a little bit higher because they have a different sense of intent. So I, I like to target geological centers, museums, nature centers, um, okay, so like the cage, the caverns that they have, like, you know, right, salad filling, stuff like that. Right, right. And you, okay, and okay. You, and you go into those gift shops, they going to have crystals, baby. Real, real real stuff. Yeah, real stuff. I know yeah. where I need to go. Okay,
4: thank you
0: for that. That's what I was looking for because I'm not familiar with them, and I don't know which ones are for what. So I'm going I'm to work that out. But I'll, I'll get with you.
1: Definitely gonna okay. yeah. get after that. give give me off air and I, I get you the hookup. I got the hookup. <laughs> okay, I got the hookup. Uh, but yeah, your your clusters are you know some of your best tools for working in groups, more than one person, more than one relative, more than one issue in the family. Of course, help you to intersect crossroads beyond your understanding. You know what made mom the way mom is? What was mom's parents like? What was mom's experience with her parents? What was mom's experience with her grandparents? You know, and these are questions if you're able to do that you want to ask people while they're alive, (laughs) you know, and I'm speaking to people like myself and others who have folks in your family you haven't spoken to in generations. You know, if you can open up a doorway, if you can create a meeting at the crossroads you know if you can ask questions of your living relative you know and 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 by all means don't overlook those married in relatives you know those husbands and wives that marry into a family often too will not only have information but are often willing to talk you know outside the dynamics of the greater family and help you to, to gather information you know about you know, ancestry, lineage, background, you know, who, who our people are. But I embrace Egungun in its Yoruba context of, of, you know, often ancestors that we know but didn't know in life, you know, a great-great-grandparent or, or greater family members that would have lived beyond our, you know, our time, but then those ancestors that – are considered a gungun who may not necessarily be re- blood-related to us. And in, indeed, there are those like your Marcus Garvey and your Malcolm X and and your Nefertiti and and Kandace and Nzinga, you know, of Angola, you know, that we also embrace as our ancestor by way of group bloodline lineage. Um So I think doing shadow work, and I say this more than enough to say, I think, to lead with, I think, uh, shadow work can't be avoided in doing ancestral work. It just it, can't. It just can't. Can. And, and, and like a crystal, you, you, you're going to start from the seed, from the root, from yourself, like an onion, peel those layers back, you know, and make your way back in time. In some cases, you're going to make your way forward in time, you know, Understanding that time is spherical, cyclical, round, in a a multifaceted sort of way, you know. So I think it's important that, you know, if you're able to do so, that you get your ancestral work and divination done. Get your DNA done, you know. There's no greater place to begin, you know, a journey into African-based traditional systems than with yourself, and there's no greater way to get in touch with who you are than to get in touch with who your people are and, indeed, where you come from. Um, Otan, have you taken 23andMe or just the Ancestry.com? I haven't done – the only thing I have on Ancestry is the family tree. I haven't
0: actually done the test. I've done 23andMe. I had Ancestry – for uh, the, the trial period, like within the last two or three months, but I have not taken the actual test yet, and I really would like to because I know that'll be uh, a great help in connecting some more of the doctrine. Not only the is that I I can only trace my maternal line because I don't have a brother, and you know my father is my ancestor, so I'm kind I will kind of only get one side of this anyway, because I don't have any personal relatives. You know, that's
1: you, that's, you, okay, you just threw me on the, on many different levels. Okay, uh-oh, hey, uh-oh. Let, um, uh-huh. so you've never spit in a tube? For 23andMe, yes. Not for Ancestry. Oh, for 23andMe. <laughs> okay. But not for Ancestry? No. Okay, so I've got to look you up now. Something, because I thought for sure when I looked you up before and I came across your name, I was in Ancestry.com. Because you had, because you, 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 and you name. My and name. your name was there, right. But you're saying
0: that you but that had. But was probably during my child period, and I just had some family tree and some connection stuff, then I never Mm-mm. actually did the DNA for
1: Yeah, you know, you wouldn't show up in the results of, unless you took the test. So that would have to be okay. someone else with that same name. Um, that, oh, yes. Okay, so where did, okay. You find, where did you find your connection with Oloye? Um,
0: twenty um, three andMe, twenty three andMe, but from that route, I uploaded my raw DNA from twenty three andMe to GenMatch. Oh, okay, and that's where I found um, Oloye okay so yeah. and with reading to him is as i was looking over the names in my member case he had a year of a name and i was
2: like
0: what so that's when i reached out to him and i got his email and and we went from there so um, that's how i found him
1: if i toy i do
0: this is the thing i was reading that question a lot of people feel that way and have that oh can we trust people can we trust the doctors and I in our dna and what if they use it for this and what if they use it for that so baby, let me tell you something if you've been to the doctor if you've ever had to give blood if you've given birth or any of that they've given you tests or anything like that they, they got it they long had it when you were born okay, if so, so, black okay. Out, then they, they have it already that's that's really not a thing okay. so i would say
1: that yes, because if they wanted to do something they long headed wrong okay but it, you know in my opinion, you're reading more into her question than what's actually there. All I'm locking in on is, can we trust them? And and in that response, I would say, yes, There there are too many, and this may mirror Otan's response, there are too many other systems that we are already connected to, involved in, as it relates to blood, you know, and DNA. Um, they would have to, you know, over. They would have to overturn almost everything we think we understand, you know, about science and blood, uh, parentage. Well, who your real mama is, who your real daddy is, you know. If we can't, yeah, she clarified. She said yes. Yeah, she
0: meant just about the, the, the truthfulness of the results, and, mm-hmm. I, and I still say yes because yeah. that would be, like you said, Devine, That would be a whole lot of flipping, flopping, yeah. and 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 subterfuge for, right. <laughs> for them to flip flop everybody's results because right. they would right. to everyone.
1: Right. I mean, just just think of just the 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 mass lawsuits that would come across, you know, America. <laughs> you know. Of, of parent either parent you know wanting to have they they dna questioned you know so i i would say yeah yeah uh, we use dna in, in murder scenes and murder investigations to, to verify and validify you know people's um footprint you know in the unfortunate case of of cataclysmic like events like a 9-11 or, or something like that you know We trust DNA to sort of help us to gain some clarity. So um, I I would say, yeah, yeah, I I think we can trust them with the results. Um, I sort of humorously say all the time, um, these new DNA tests put Maury Povich out out of business. I mean, seriously, put Maury Povich and any of the DNA-based reality TV shows out of business, you know, and they kind of tinkered with, Ancestry DNA-based shows, primarily on PBS, you know, they they played around with that idea. But um, no, I think it's it's so common now and so accessible now. um, No, I think we can trust the results. Should family, friends be venerated on the ancestral altar or in another space? I venerate all the dead with the with the dead, so that would be all ancestors all dead venerated at the ancestral space now in my lineage or otan's lineage might do things a little bit differently um, we acknowledge all dead on the floor we acknowledge all dead on the floor and um when we think of um the only word I can use, Europe a word that I can use for comparison would be egungun. Those ascended dead that, that we sort of know, like your grandmama, your great-grandmama and them, you know, you're often going to put them on the table um, along with your family friend, the great auntie that you grew up with, the the, the great uncle family member that you grew up with especially in black families where we call people auntie, uncle, you know, mama so-and-so, you know, that's my brother, that's my cousin. You know, we create spiritual ties and binds that transcend, you know, just blood lineages. Just as in IFA, you have lineage by blood, but you also have lineage based on tradition and location and geography. So Ifa lineage in Nago tradition in in Oshobo is not going to be exactly the same as in Cuba. Cuba has established a second, a a separate, another lineage of Ifa practice, Yoruba tradition. But we're now talking about in a different location. You have soul partners, certain souls Agree to partner within this lifetime, the most common types of soulmate You might have agreed to be best friends or in-laws or raise children together or open businesses together. A soul partnership can be with someone you know intimately for your whole life, like a beloved sibling, or it can be with someone you barely knew for a short time, like an influential person in your industry who offers you a big break in your career. Soul partners are specifically designed to help support you in this life emotionally, professionally, or in any other way you require to accomplish and experience what your soul planned to do here before coming into into physical embodiment. And none of us can do this life alone. So soul partnerships remind us how beautifully, masterfully, and intricately Our lives are uh, woven together. Soul ties, when you feel a soul tie, is simply the sense that another soul is in your life for a reason. For example, if your life is very busy, yet you meet a new potential friend or potential business partner, the sense that you have a soul tie to this person could inspire you to make room in your life for this relationship. Perhaps you are not in the market for a pet, but when a friend says they need to give up their pet because they have to move overseas unexpectedly, uh, your uh, feelings, your psychic pathways, your intuitive inclinations might give you the feeling that you have a soul tie with this animal and bring it into your home is the right thing for you to do for the both of you. You might think of soul ties as the ties that that bind. <clears throat> the next type is past life soulmates. Many Eastern religions talk about past life. M- more specifically, uh, religions and philosophies discuss the concept of multi-lived incarnations, or multi-lived incarnations. You can always tell when a client has met someone they knew well in the past life by the way they describe the connection. If the connection is manifesting as romance, they might say, I've never felt this way before. When two souls have shared a significant past life together, or perhaps several past lives together, if they meet again in this in this life, they may be inexplic- inexplicably drawn together to each other. And the chemistry can be off the charts. What people are feeling is built up energy over other lifetimes together and a soul recognition. Although you can have a soul recognition with any type of soulmate, the past life one whether you were at odds or best friends in the past lives, are extremely powerful. Uh, According to Brian West, M.D., psychiatrist, past life um, regression expert, two souls could agree to reincarnate and navigate towards each other after spending a thousand earth years apart which is indeed quite a romantic notion. But indeed, in in the case of soul families, it's often directed by, propelled by a a deeper purpose than just the romantic connection, a deeper purpose than just uh, the sort of love feelings and chemistry that can give you a sense of connectedness, you know, to an individual. Yet, just because you had a significant past life with someone and are feeling all the feelings, it doesn't necessarily mean you are supposed to partner romantically or otherwise in this lifetime. Uh, Judge the relationship by who you both are today and how you treat each other now. If you suspect a past life connection with the current lover, try to bring more healing to the situation. Even if you break up, this might look like releasing them from love, but it's releasing them with love, wishing them well, yet out of your life. Often when souls come back together in this lifetime, they are looking to heal something and to do better this time around, not not necessarily a (laughs) do-over. Karmic soulmates are sometimes called wrecking ball soulmates. But instead of thinking of karma as good or bad, or or, or the proverbial uh, wreck, or or a system of punishment or or reward, think of it as merely a neutral energy of cause and effect. The earth plane is very much a dimension of cause and effect. We create karma with other people all the time through small and, and significant interactions, sometimes insignificant interactions and every interaction with another person creates energy that can turn into karma this is anything to fear but something to be mindful of karmic relationships may come into our lives as change agents who facilitate through positive negative or neutral interactions opportunities or invitations to improve our karma how we operate in our lives and the world so that we can grow and evolve. And keep in mind that the soul craves new experiences, growth, and evolution. I also want you to be mindful that when we think about karma, that it's not just, you know, your friends, your family, your co-workers, coworkers the people that you know. Indeed, how you treat life, how you treat strangers, how you treat The next soul also has a great and profound imprint, more often a greater and and much more profound imprint on karmic responsibility, how we treat those that we otherwise assume to not know or not have any real uh, personal, emotional, you know, contact with. Romantic soulmates. After giving thousands of intuitive readings to clients over the world, there are a few things I know for sure, as Oprah would say. One is that when we enter a significant romantic relationship or fall in love, there's a possibility we'll partner with this person. What's not only possible but definite is that we are being given the opportunity to heal, learn, grow because of the relationship. And even in the happiest and healthiest of relationships, romantic soulmates can tend to tap dance on your last nerve, um, bounce on your biggest wounds, and challenge you in uncomfortable ways. When two souls enter a romantic relationship, they're also entering a classroom of sorts. There's also twin flames. This popular term describes an intense soul connection, and some people believe twin flames are actually one soul that was split into two bodies. I described one soul on previous broadcasts being split into several bodies, um, i.e., the, the Christ being divided into 12 bodies, 12 disciples, a soul Power much greater than what one carnal vessel um, might contain. And so twin flames can then show up as families, bloodline families, blood-tie families, manifest in blood lineages um, as well. And according to the theory, twin flames can love, challenge, teach, heal in, in unique and powerful ways. Yet, Whitehurst cautions against feelings like you need another person to complete you. Just remember there can be a shadow side of trying to fit people into a certain category of your life, including a spiritual category. While some believe twin flame is the ultimate romantic experience, remember every relationship you enter with another person, romantic or otherwise, has the potential to help you achieve more enlightenment and it's ultimately a, a part of more enlightenment. Um, sort of the idea of, of birthing babies and, and creating um, nature just for a, a body count doesn't line up with me, with a higher purpose, a, a God, a creator creating a, a planet, now with a body count a large party count of, of humans and insects and, and bacteria and all forms of, of life, each representing each representing and resonating, whether we're aware of it or not, some aspects of ourselves. And there's a class that I, I teach where I, I go through a meditative process where you pretend to be a tree, you pretend to be, you know, different forms of animal. You pretend to be, you know, a rock even in your meditative state to show you where you are in your personal state of evolution, your personal process of evolution, but also to connect you and reconnect you to aspects of ourselves that we still retain, you know, as, as humans, that we still retain from our uh, previous primate Uh, existence from our previous mammal-like existence. And we're still mammals, but, you know, it said that we have lemur-like ancestors and we have other ancestors in in creation, you know, that don't necessarily share uh, the same living mode of apparatus that we do today, but lent to us during that process of, of evolution certain qualities that We wouldn't be human without, and that opens up the conversation of of extraterrestrial influence. Indeed, I believe that our ancestors and these soul ties are not just limited to earth and biology and and bloodline lineage, but, but indeed earth, the plant life, the mineral life, but also stardust. And, and the cosmos, in the greater universe. So I do uh, accept that we share common ancestors that exist outside our present realm of awareness, our present dimensional awareness. Yes, beloved. Um, I'm
0: sorry. I wanted to ask a, a question. Um, oh, firstly, since a the um but um he, he's, uh, waiting. Um shamafia. Uh so can we speak to uh, how to cleanse ourselves before we enter uh an in intimate relationship during cobwebs, so to speak, shadow work calls attention to things that need attention, especially in sexual union. Well shamafia that's one of the main things that I'm I'm sure Sir Divine mentioned several times as well as myself and Baba Aloyas. Why uh, shadow work is important, and it's not just about doing things so you can um, connect with your ancestors. It's not just about you know elevating spiritually and finding. It's also in the potential connection with the mate, with the soulmate. All of that work is necessary because if you if you have to take time once you once a person leaves the relationship, time is needed. To basically, heal, to reflect, and basically to spend some more time loving on you. That way, if you've noticed anything through the course of that previous relationship that you've let certain things about yourself that you have not kept up or you don't feel the same way, that is the time that is needed to address those things, to fall back and not to speak what you will accept, what you won't accept, things within yourself that may have been. Uh, miscommunicated or, or ways you could have communicated better that is what that time is needed a lot of the time we have people that are so caught up and not wanting to be alone or feeling lonely that we dismiss or, or basically not allow ourselves that time or rob ourselves of that feeling time that time that we take to go within ourselves because I'm gonna tell you something hurt people hurt people so if you're within the confines of your emotions and all your mixed up stuff and everything going on and you to make somebody that's going through the same thing. What's going to happen? You have the potential right now for one hot mess and another hot mess to get together. No, you're going to get a flame and not in a good way. Nobody, if neither one is taking the time to heal, you are going to bleed on the person that did not cut you. You have to get out of that. I don't want to be alone or I'll be lonely. Because at the end of the day, here's the thing. People come into our lives for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. We are the one that attempt to make common people out of temporary situations. Some people that you meet, you don't sort of bone everybody you meet just because they look good, smell good, at are telling you what you need to hear in that moment because you're too lost and too hurt to figure out that you still got good within yourself. That's how you fall for all of that mess, because you're damaged, because you're not into loving yourself. So when something, somebody come and gives you something in your ear that just sound a little good, there a little good, you think that's love, no. And also you have to understand this. people may not agree with me, but when you look at society and at the way it is that male and female men a lot of the times are more, after, more, more physical and women are emotional. So you have a lot of the times women that they physical wanting to get emotional and vice versa. You have men sometimes that would you know be whether seemingly emotional so they could get the physical. But, but this is where we got to learn how to interact with each other okay, because the truth is, and I'm talking to you too, uh, to my queens out there, and not just to, to, to the queens, okay? Women, a lot of people say, oh, everybody doesn't deserve your body. And then, guess what? Guess what, men? Every woman doesn't deserve your feet. We have got to learn to be not just collective, but protective of ourselves, our energy, because when you share your body with trauma, that's an intimate act, that's a personal act, that's emotional, that's spiritual. And you inadvertently connect yourself to somebody that was only there to teach you one lesson, but you got happy, happy, and now you're stuck with the residual because you didn't have to discern to give yourself the grace to sometimes go. You know what? You look good, but this is a friend, or this is we have to have that discernment, and that's all part of the shadow work. That's all part of the healing. So I hope that helps, Shamafia, uh, clarify
1: that. And another example is when you know you are on a path to greatness. In your career and your education and in, in, in your life pursuits, and then you put that down, quote unquote, in the name of love. That, to me, that's counterproductive. That's counterproductive. That the the love and the and the friendships and the relationship should flow along with you and come to meet you and assist you and aid you and to grow you in your journey. Not be oh, okay, now I have love, so let me stop pursuing my goals, let me stop pursuing my dreams, you know, and, and, and sometimes I can see how women in particular are put in that position, particularly when children come into play. So now we have to stop and we have to raise children and, and raise a family or feel maybe like we, we once needed to have to. Uh, things are, are changing somewhat in today's, you know, environment um, of, of dual parenting, parentage along with dual income earnings, so um, we might still have room for growth there. I also want to speak to Goat Rider. I didn't want to neglect his um, comment um, about trusting the medical field, even though they are majorly incompetent at times. I think that's a very valid point to feel that they may be uh, incompetent at times. I, I don't know about majorly. Uh, I think it's when we start p- playing majorities, you know, when we think about the millions of people who go through um, the medical field, the medical industry, each, each and every day, are there horror stories? Absolutely. Um, we all know the lack story. We all know the toxic story. I mean, for sure. But just DNA ancestry specific, I want to compare that to parentage. How often? Just to sake of conversation, go right. How often do you think the parental DNA tests are wrong? That say she's the mother, he's the father, and 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 maybe once in one instance. So you might have to run a test again, or you you, you ran a test on one parent and you ran a test on a second parent and now you got something to compare and there's a discrepancy. But now, when we think about ancestry DNA tests, um, then a lot, everybody's tests would have to be wrong. A lot of people's tests would have to be be off. And to sort of feed that own sort of anxiety that I personally had about that very thing, when I took the ancestry, that's why I paid for my mom to have the test, and and often assisted my sister um, in, in getting her test done. <coughs> Out of You know, fortunately, many other people in my family just started then doing it on their own. I I can't say that either of my cousins, Oton or Ola, they didn't see me and then decide they were going to take a DNA test. I think they were already motivated in their own individual, you know, ways to want to take the DNA test. And then we, we kind of met up after that, after that. But yeah, the medical industry makes a lot of mistakes. There is degrees of incompetency, you know, at, at every level. Um, but I, I still say that the value of clarifying uh, lineage, and particularly for us, um, and for anyone really in America, um, I, I think it should be as common as a social security number, in my opinion. And, and it should be paid for. You know, I think it would open up conversation about race, ethnicity, history. And I think in many ways, that's why they want to keep people not comfortable with the DNA, but for those same reasons. Again, DNA put Mark Povich out of business. And we know that in my family personally, because we, un- <laughs> we uncovering the sisters, the brothers, the the, the grown children, you know, that that nobody ever spoke of, so in some cases claims they have never even known of. So yeah, we put Mari Povich and Jenny Jones and remember all those shows that had a strong focus on DNA? You know? Yeah. Come on in, um, Oloye. You're coming in from the from the sacred yard. Blessings, blessings. I hope everybody's doing well. I'm just stepping in,
4: so I'm not sure of exactly what it is that you guys are talking about. Um, sounds like there's a wide range of diverse perspectives that are happening. So um, I just greet you all, and I listen for a second so I can make intelligent contributions and know what is going on. So blessings to everybody. Let
1: me just find out what's happening. Well, we're still talking about past lives. Uh, remember, we said we would continue the conversation on uh, agreement from the previous show. Uh, we okay. added a, a whole nother layer of, of DNA. I actually shared um, paternal lineage all the way back to uh, Ramses III, okay. and then I shared my maternal lineage um, uh, back to two um, – uh, ethnic groups in 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 West Africa. The uh, We, I think, is one people that um, my mothers are from. Uh, it's not in front of me right now, so I'm thought okay. I'm, I thought I'd be able to find it real quick. But yeah, so we shared some some of my DNA, and again talked about how we often associate the idea of uh, PTSD trauma. Uh, You know, that, as well as our gifts and and some of our best qualities that get sort of transferred through lineage and through bloodline, how we sometimes over-focus on just the immediate time space, meaning Mm -hmm. myself, maybe my parents, my grandparents, if I have some awareness of them, and and then my great-grandparents, but how it indeed goes back generations. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes thousands of years. Um, I did share a little bit of Ramses the Third story, in that he, uh, the Ramses and the Ramses family kept many slaves, mm-hmm. en- enslaved uh, Nubians and dark Africans and, and black people, mm-hmm. as well as there were dark Africans and black people who were also rulers at that time. Mm-hmm. And so, how politics, religion, uh, Ramsey the Third was. Uh, you know, got into controversy around religion, much like Akhenaten got into a controversy around, you know, manipulating uh, religion um, and how these themes, reoccurring themes seem to have been present, not just in the more, most recent 500 years of our lifespan, but going all the way back to ancient Egypt and and how this energy can travel and, and, and lose connectedness to its roots. And so we we believe something to be a flaw of our own, or, or a gift of our own, or, or something that we somehow self-created or self-made, or even take responsibility for, without understanding the power of shadow work. O'Shong was 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 talking a little bit more about shadow work right before you came in, okay. and 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 the importance of doing that in relationship to ancestors because of all this unknown information you know that's in our blood that we can't necessarily you know write a script for um, mm-hmm. I also shared um, using quartz crystal uh, as a cluster and particularly uh, as a part of doing shadow work uh, as a part of my own personal uh, ritual work around ancestors lineage bloodline uh, and, and we even talked about uh, lineage that can be set up similarly even without the blood element, fraternities, uh, for, for sororities, uh, secret societies uh, that develop lineage. So we talked about Lukumi, Santeria lineage versus Nago versus, you know, what we do in, in America uh, in terms of lineage. So just a continuation of, of our previous conversation but I think we talked even more today about ancestry. Oh, and I did indeed do it with with you and O'Ton being in mind. I, I just had no, had no idea that you were going to be party for the party. Oh, I'm so sorry. But, but, it, <laughs> but it's all good. But it's all
4: oh. good. So one of the things, then, uh, let's take it from a couple of things that you said. One, in regard to DNA and, and ancestry, um, I will say this, that when I went initially over to Africa, uh, the original family that I was initiated with over there was in Oremmo, Nigeria, in uh, Ogun State. And I remember a specific day that I was sitting outside with them, and there were many people that were walking in the street, and they would be looking over. And they would be staring. And they would say something in Yalaba to them. And then they would laugh and be like, you know, I would ask them, what, what is it that, uh, that they're saying? He said, well, a lot of the people are asking whether you're a brother, whether you're a family member. And so we're telling them, yeah, you're a family member from the United States. And because, like they're saying that you look like our, um, look like our like our family, like our uh, a couple of members of our elders of our family, and so um, I think that that a large part of that speaks to we're not really sure exactly maybe where uh, our original people stem from out there in wherever, the Nigeria, Benin. Whatever cross-cultural, cross-marriage, intermarriage, any of that. But that when we go out there, we, uh, have the somewhat physical appearance still of, in through our DNA, of people that very well might be, uh, some, some, sort, you know, uh, family members and such, you know? So, um, we, we look at that and we say that DNA runs very, very deep. DNA runs very, very deep. And it happens in many different ways. It happens in our health. Some of our health issues are related to ancestors, of course, are related to DNA. Some of it could be diet. When we look at diet, we can sometimes fail to look at the diet from uh, maybe where much of our DNA uh, disseminates from. So maybe in Benin or in Ghana, they eat more seafood or they might eat in a way where it's more rice and vegetable and less meat punos. But if we look to some of those areas that our DNA kind of stems from, it also allows us to be able to fall in line what uh um for further, further in line with with the diet uh, of that place the next thing is is in regard to lineages of of the tradition of spirituality uh that speaks deeply as well um to make sure that that our our uh DNA goes through through our lineages, our the Oba, the town, the land, the area—all of those things kind of fall in line with what we consider our DNA in that lineage, in that line. And so, in doing that, that then goes to how we might be working and and with the Oresha from that line, or working with little alulamare, all of the above from that line. How we were taught, how we go about these things. So, um, again, you know, coming in, at, that's, that's just a little bit of basics uh, of being able to bring that all together. Um, let me say this also. Um, many people have uh, their perspective of their life, of when they desire to have relationships, when they desire to have marriage, when they desire to uh, submit themselves to somebody. Because in essence, when you have good relationship, you're submitting yourself to each other. And so I'd share with you all, with you all to value your time alone, uh, value your time with, yourself, and look within yourself as to the things that you have to to work on, that you have to heal, that, that you have to own and build upon. Some of us, when we get out of relationships, it's not wise for us to get right back into another relationship. Some of us should take some time, a year, two, three, four, whatever they need in order to fully come to a place where they can give themselves to somebody else from a way where they're open to be able to do such and be healed. So each and every one is on their own sacred journey. And in that journey, we have to be mindful of holding people to maybe an accountability of our own and not, Allowing them to fall into what their destiny holds and how their destiny might hold. So let us always be mindful and wise that everybody's on their journey and that everybody has to find their own place of healing and their own perspective of when they desire to uh, be in alignment for uh, a relationship
0: and i would like to add to that and say the mafia um i'm proud of you i'm extremely proud of you because there are not a lot of people especially i can speak for women there are not a lot of them that are willing to think in their feelings in their personal work and what it is that they need to better themselves to have the love that not only they desire but the love that they seek to put out in return so i want to applaud you and commend you publicly for giving yourself the grace of feeling of completion growth it is a powerful place to be in and sometimes it takes longer than others and that's all right too know that i am proud of you and i support you and you keep doing just what you do
1: and it's not just a woman it's men as well and and let me say this as shady as it might sound Some of y'all are looking for an old school, old world kind of relationship where y'all stuck together from birth to death, you know, or or, or there's some some degree of of commitment and stability and responsibility and expectation, but you're not your grandmama. You're not your granddaddy. You you, you are nowhere near the person and personage of who those powerful ancestors were. In their sense of virtue, in their sense of morality, into in their sense of spirit, you know. So we've got to be a little bit more realistic. Also, when we're seeking "quote unquote" the perfect, you know, Barbie and Ken, you know, relationship, be sure that you Barbie, and that and that he that, that he Ken, if if that's what you're looking for, you know. I I know some of y'all did <laughs> been too many. Years, you know, watching them soap operas, you know, all in the, all, my children in General Hospital and you know, <laughs> Days of Our yeah, Lives. Yeah, I mean, no, oh my goodness, I can. That's unfortunately, well, I almost want to say unfortunately because it's a blessing that I even can remember childhood memory. But that's one of the first things that I can remember was my great aunt my great aunties, my grandmothers siblings, watching soap operas, in black and white, you know, on the TV and and hearing those commercials in the back of my head, because, you know, the baby's always in the crib right off the room in the next room or, or, you know, on the bed with the bedroom door open, you know, so you can hear them and they can hear you, (laughs) you know, and you're hearing the TV and, uh, oh, my goodness, uh, it was a white maid who was on TV back then. Uh, who was real jazzy about the mouth, Um, um, long before Maude. This was a white uh, nanny, maid, who was popular on TV. And and long before Florence and Good Times uh, and Jefferson, she had a real jazzy mouth, black and white. Uh, I'm talking about the days of My Favorite Martian. I'm talking about the days of Talking Ed. Um, You know, those days, those black and white days, you know, Um, and just hearing the sound of of those great ancestors now, you know, speaking and and sharing stories and telling tales and, you know, whispering secrets that, you know, uh, well, we can say this with the baby listening because they just a, a baby, but that stuff stuck with me. Indeed, it, it stuck with me. And so I'm grateful for having those kind of connections, those kind of memories, those kind of experiences that I can now look at, you know, in this magical life, you know, that is voodoo. And just see how, how it's always been there, you know, from the beginning. It's, it's always been there. Did I get off track? Probably, but always a blessing.
0: Drag that in. yeah, that's, that's that, yeah, TV, that. yeah,
1: that would have been playing in the background.
4: You know, I think that that uh, even with that, uh, if, if um, I'm kind of feeling the energy of of what it is that you're talking about, to look back at those shows, talk deeply about the errors by which people perceived relationships, family, and all of the above. Because back then, the perception was that no matter what was going on in the family, there was a, a very uh, less amount of divorces that would be happening. And in some instances, it, it went to also show, though, that they were willing to work through their issues together and not be as quick to maybe part. So there's a hot, there's a good enough you know good and bad a high and a low that went with it. But most important is that it gave a gave of view of what life was like and what people were thinking or how they thought. And how I I remember Leave it to Beaver* and kind of look at that show and and sit there in amazement, you know, as to the perspective of that show you know um, I remember some of the old movies from back then watching those movies mm-hmm. I was watching St. Louis Blues uh, the, the other day and was watching how even in church when Billy Preston as a child was playing and then he up-tempoed the song a little bit how the uh, priests of that era view it as the devil's music mm-hmm. but yet 10, 20 years later, you had the, 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 you know, Walter Hawkins, Edwin Hawkins, Andre Crouch, and the rest of them that then put into that, even before that James Cleveland, that put into that sound, and now that sound is what is called traditional. So now what we look at traditional in marriage and relationships and family, at one point, maybe some of the things that happened in the family were not looked at as traditional. So traditional only states then that it's that that uh, test of the initial entry of that and then the test of time thereafter. So just kind of you know looking at that to say in relationships what we might consider as as traditional today, you know, is okay. We, we've gone through different stages and, and ways and methods in our relationships. Lord. So now we look at you know, at that from a, a place uh, that would be a place of, uh, of, of just you know, a traditional, traditional energy.
1: It was Hazel, not Ma It was Hazel. Oh, well, I remember Hazel. Yeah, that's the one with the, with the sassy mouth that I was trying to recall. Yeah, Hazel. I can remember being a toddler, supposed to be asleep, and hearing that voice in, in the mm-hmm. background. Uh, I think I was also speaking to um, or wanted to speak to the idea that being alone is somehow uh, somehow suck. And I don't know if you were just being facetious or, or what that was, but I think being alone sucking has everything to do with uh, – <laughs> where a person is in their own reality, where it is in their own understanding. Um, Indeed, um, my loneliness is not lonely. Um, I am alone operating and and moving in a ministry that's often 24 hours a day, uh, seven days a week, nonstop. Um, So it don't suck. (laughs) You know, I actually enjoy my life. Um, I enjoy what I do. Um, People ask, well, you know, are you married? I'm married to the Loa. I'm married to the Orisha. You know, I'm married to the ministry. Do you have kids? I have hundreds of kids, hundreds of kids, hundreds of children. You know, And, and it's a blessing to, you know, be able to send them back to you, you know, at the end of the day you know, and, and not have to carry, along with my burden, you know, the bar- burden that many parents carry. And I think, you know, it, it, it opens space for a conversation about division of labor um, and, and each person having a role, a purpose in their life. You know, in, in modern culture, you know, we're kind of born to, I don't know, get a job you know, or to do what others did, you know, sort of before us. But I think in a more indigenous concept, um, we, we were born with a purpose, to have a purpose, to the fulfillment of something, the fulfillment of some, some destiny. And so I think we have shifted uh, priorities in terms of what's important to us in the West, uh, in, in the quote-unquote family dynamic versus what we view as what's important to us, not just in a more indigenous mind frame, but just a 100 years ago, you know, and I think, too, that those relationships survived um, on survival, you know, on survival, you know, women were in a very different position, you know, that may have felt that they needed a man to survive, you know, to some degree needed a family, you know, and that transcends America. You know, that's a mindset in many ethnic groups, you know, in, in Africa, you know, in, in the Middle East, you know, that, that a woman's economy, you know, her whole wealth, social well-being was once attached to not just the husband and the man, but, but the household, you know, and and the family. And in the West, we now have so many options and resources and distractions, depending on how you look at it, where... You know, a man can say, "Hey, you know, I'll need you and, and pick up and keep moving." A woman can say, "Hey, you know, I don't need you, you know, and, and pick up and keep moving." You know, and, and often whoever can afford it or, or, or whoever is most committed takes on the responsibility. You know, of, of raising you know the children, and th- that in itself just sets a, sets up a dynamic for energy you know, that ties people together, you know, through one life into another and, and and then passes that energy on to children. You know, some of you are happily single, you know, because of what maybe your great-grandmom and them went through, because, you know, what your great-granddad and them, you know, went through. I grew up very conscious as a child looking at relationships, really not having a choice but to look at re- relationships. Almost like, a you know, Iyanla Van Zandt and the Dr. Phil, you know, played out in my real life, you know, from birth onwards to other relationships. And, and having a, a family that was so large uh, on my father's side, you know, um, I had many examples, you know, to sort of look at. But the more I was able to digest their story and their experience and and what they saw and what they witnessed and what came before them, yeah, it makes a lot of sense how, you know, traumas can pass. Certain people skip certain generations. You know, we have a relative that, you know, doesn't feel a thing, doesn't see a thing, doesn't hear a thing. You know, I got another relative that's just so dizzy, it's just to her best interest. Cause she don't carry no kind of burden of nothing because she just ditzy and, and lightheaded and, and, and airy, you know, and then there's me who overthinks everything. I can go back all the way to kindergarten and replay the story, replay it back to back, look at it from the front to back, the side to side, you know, and it has everything to do with spirit, has everything to do with our purpose. You know i'm i think i'm wired that way to do the work that i'm doing you are wired the way you are to do the work that you are doing and indeed those there are those who are here to birth babies and 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 create and recreate the generation but but we also have other jobs we also have other roles um i, I think the sense of being miserable and alone is a western notion it comes entirely out of uh, out of western culture when when you consider the old world where you know your nearest neighbor might be two miles down the road you knew they were there you know but but we lived in in relative you know isolation in 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 our space and so that feeling of lonely or that feeling of being bored you know did not compute you know, in that time, much the way it does today, you know. I'm sure they would not have used the word bored, you know, while they were picking their apples and their peaches, you know, and, and sitting on the, on the stoop and peeling them and, and telling stories and the kids jumping up and down because they know what's going to happen once, once it's cooked, <laughs> you know. You know, our whole idea of being bored, being alone, being isolated, you know, being by myself has, has shifted from what our ancestors would have thought, would have perceived, and, and therefore our disconnection to the traumas that keep showing up anew in a new dress and a new suit, you know, for the next generation to have to confront. Um, Oloye, I feel like you haven't talked enough since you – but you came in, yeah. Pam. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, part of that is
4: to view the relationship that we have witnessed with our elders and with our ancestors now. Uh, to view the relationship with our grandparents. There were so many lessons that we could learn from the people, those generations in the past. When I think back to my grandfather and my great-grandfather, uh, to even have the opportunity to spend time or have time with a great-grandfather is an abundant blessing. From him, I, I learned to do the gardening and, and to, to plant the uh, food and, and to learn
3: about the islands, to learn about the stick-licking, which was some
4: stick-fighting that they did on the islands in Barbados and and Trinidad. We had what we call stick licking. My grandfather did that. It it surprised me when he talked to me about that. My grandfather talked to me about, my grandfather was one of the only, was the only African-American horseshoe person in, in Staten Island, New York. The only one. My father. Was one, of the early, was one of the early race car drivers and, and one of the only ones there. But we don't take the time sometimes to sit with our elders to listen and to learn and to view their lives in such a way that we learn these lessons from them. I started learning family history because my, my aunts that were in their 70s and, and going into 80s and such, began to feed into me this information. And now there's older relatives of mine that come to me on family information and who is who back from that early generation. So now there is such a lesson that we learn from our relationships. When we go through struggles in our relationships and we go to our elders, do we really get an opportunity to listen to what our elders say in the best way that we can go through some circumstances and situations from a, a, a view of an elder, then take it and apply it the way that you need to. But I look at our opportunity to speak to our elders and they are we are losing that today in our society and we're losing that today in our own mindset. We're not taking advantage of the story that they have. We're not taking advantage of their their knowledge in all different areas of life. And because of it, man, we are losing so much. We're losing so much. We have got to reaffirm our relationships and sit at the feet of the elders and humble ourselves and just be quiet and just sit there and listen to them talk. And yes, sometimes they're going to repeat the same thing, but at the end of the day, it might be one sentence different that tells you something totally different. I'll tell you, I learned from my grandfather as Alzheimer's was kicking in, because he would then review it or going back and talking about stuff in his childhood, and I have to ask my aunt, who's he talking about? And they were like, you know, this person, that person, or they just didn't know themselves. There's so much in that, but that is part of the shadow work. The shadow work in our ancestral and our elders are placed into us through what the Hawaiians say, talking story, and allowing them to share with us their stories, their history, and the things that they've gone through learning from my father, even up in Newark, New Jersey, and New York, where everybody thought that maybe Jim Crow and all of those civil rights things weren't happening, that even in New York and New Jersey, they had to sit up in the balcony. They couldn't sit with everybody else. You learn these lessons from these elders and these ancestors that stick with you for the rest of time that now you pass on to the next generations. It's important to believe it is because then we get to understand why maybe it seemed like that particular elder or ancestor was mean. We thought they were mean, but they were living their life every day with the memory of what they had to go through. Imagine going through life and be witnessing somebody in your family getting honed down down south because of the way that they were treated by law enforcement. But yet today we have unarmed black men and women being killed in front of our eyes. How do you think that's going to affect us for the future generations? So now here we go, looking back at maybe some of the things, imagine your elder being one that was there, that that bore witness to the, the, the Fred Hampton, and then maybe a, hour, a half hour or 15 minutes after that, they were actually in that apartment. You would never have learned that if you didn't sit down with that elder. An elder that went through maybe having to do certain things, an elder that that had a deep relationship with some what people would call gangster, but up in Harlem like Bumpy Johnson and, and and all those guys, but then that ancestor had a had a free pass to walk down Harlem and nobody to bother him. You wouldn't know that if you didn't have the opportunity to speak to your elder or ancestor. Shadow work, shadow work is the learning from these ancestors so that inside of you, you start understanding why in you. Certain feelings and energy and attitude and perspective come into play. So we have to now. We really should think about really sitting down at the feet of our ancestors. Now, our elders, I'm sorry, our elders. And no, I'm not sorry. That sitting at the feet of our ancestors for those of us that have the ability to to communicate on different levels that's right we have to do this that to me helps to bring light to the shadow is that good cousin that
1: was great that was great (laughs) um dark soldier that's that's hard to see when you believe that your own experience your own reality is, is sort of the beginning of the world which is a sort of a natural inclination for children, you know, to sort of do. So they think it's hard for me now, so they're not considering the the hardness that the generation before them may have had to endure or suffer. And, And then how that supports, you know, where they stand, how they are even standing, you know, today. So that, yeah, that's an important um, part of the conversation. And I look forward to perhaps continuing the conversation with you all um, again on Friday um, of this week at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time. I certainly do appreciate appreciate you. I love you, and I'm grateful for your active presence and, and support, family, friends, listeners, participants. I know it's a lot to be here in the middle of your day, you know, for two hours, so I'm grateful um, when anyone ever shows up. I'm mean, grateful when people continue to show up. I'm, I'm truly honored, and I look forward to doing it again on Friday, remembering that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veils. Asheo and Odavo. So that was a lot. I've been through many things since I last saw my godfather alive mm-hmm. in D.C. Mm-hmm. So just the whole casket. I mean, I got the whole feeling right here watching it on, on the screen. On the casket, seeing my sister, seeing people I grew up with, it was just, it was very emotional and understanding where what we all had been through in that time and where we were now mm-hmm. and then of course his his wife my sister's mother um died over 20 years ago you know which would be considered kind of young except for they were a little bit separate in, in age groups. she mm-hmm. was a little a, a great deal older than he was but um it's just been very emotional um this has been in one of those shows that I literally did in a trance from beginning to the end, <laughs> okay, because <laughs> I had just kind of this whole other conversation going on about, about the funeral. Um, But, yeah, I thought it all played together, really. Um, and I didn't realize until I had a chance to look to, to what degree you did miss what we had already talked about. So you really were. It's completely throw when you came in as to where we were in, the, in that conversation. Yeah, but we ended up talking about DNA, and, um, you know, of course people shared their opinions about that, as always. Um, and going back a little bit further, um, which you have to have really 23andMe to do. Have you taken mm-hmm. the 23andMe? No. Uh, Ochoa was talking to me about it, and I
4: think that I'm going to go ahead and do it. The only one that I did was Ancestry.
1: Yeah, she said something during the show that has me thrown now. Uh-oh. What did you say, was-